The British designer David Hicks once said, The best rooms have something to say about the people who live in them. Well, that's very true. I'm not going to disagree with David Hicks, but sometimes the building of those rooms says a lot about the people who actually did the building. Oh yeah, we got deep in what, 20 seconds? That's what we do here. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. When this storm is all over, there's no risk of exposure. Will we still stand where we stood? Will it be back to business as usual? Or can we build a world more beautiful than we ever thought we could? Welcome to the coronation, where all creation gets an invitation to a new world order. I'm talking about liberation from mystery of separation. But together we find salvation, love with no borders. It's just around the corner. The crown can come from the ashes. Even as the lightning flashes, we will use the sparks to see the myth that fuels our compulsion. That keeps us in perpetual motion. Stealing our humanity. Welcome to the combination. That is the music of my guest today on the program, Seth Glear. Let me tell you a little bit about Seth Glear. The Massachusetts-born Seth Glear is a musician who's no stranger to the road, with a regular touring schedule that usually finds him playing close to 250 shows a year. But when lockdown locked into place in 2020, Glear found himself where we all found ourselves, at home, watching the chaos unfold outside while fostering stillness inside was the foundational element to the creation of his sixth album, The Coronation. Built on the idea of reconciliation and repair, The Coronation is a stirring song cycle that's filled with poetic precision and melodic smarts. With subject matter ranging from the death of John Prine to systemic inequality to a plea for gun control, The Coronation is a powerful and moving entry in Glear's already winning discography. The Grammy Award-nominated singer-songwriter who has been praised by everyone from Paste to NPR has shared the stage with folks like James Taylor, Mark Knopfler, and Ani DeFranco. The winner of five independent music awards... Glear's 2016 TEDx talk focuses on the gifts and challenges of caregiving for a family member. An outspoken advocate for autism speaks, Glear is a musician, an activist, and a very impressive human being. As for all that building talk, well, in this chat, Seth reveals that a little home construction ended up being unexpectedly moving. He'll explain it better than I can. So... Let's have a chat with Seth Glear, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. My, my brain has always functioned really well in chaos. Like that's kind of been my, my, my upbringing. And um, so, yeah, the beginning of the pandemic did have, it had a way of really focusing in on the aspects of things that I could control, the things that I couldn't control. I was pretty clear headed, uh, if I say so myself, at least about, um, about the first few months of it and, and position to live streams and um, just knew that the communication that happens from, from a, from a, from an audience, from, from a performer to an audience, that, that communication is, is not going anywhere. 
it's mm. just changing form and and I actually found it quite I kind of felt it quite liberating to feel that everyone like all artists across the board were now confined to like a 12 inch screen that there there is something about a defined canvas like that that um that was really fun to communicate in for me sort of screaming into the void <laughs> right right and it also kind of leveled the playing field right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean there was I mean, for me i teach college and i was sort of like it threw me off for the first few uh longer than i want to admit but it but it probably you know you have 20 students on a screen and you're sort of like how do you work that room and that took me a while mm. you have to mm -hmm. work a much bigger room than i do did you feel like that kind of similar thing like how do you how do you work a room that is based on a screen now because that is a big change yeah um it i i think it's um you know i think jeff jeff bridges i'm uh, not jeff bridges um jeff daniels uh uh, I heard him answer a similar question like this, and I, I thought he put it perfectly, which is uh, instead of working in a theatrical setting where you, you know, you, you, you might watch something land 20 feet away and it might happen a, a, a second or two later, you have to imagine that all of that's happening. <laughs> right. And, and instead, of, instead of actually throwing anything 20 feet out there you're really just it's about three feet you are you are you have it's a monologue and um and I I felt that that was really wonderful also it kind of um not that there was a huge separation between my personal life and and my sort of stage persona but it evaporated um throughout the pandemic because my wife is like you know I have a tech issue and all of a sudden my wife is like forced onto the stage to tell a joke and kill time. And, um, you know, we, we, we become kind of like, she becomes sort of my Ed McMahon <laughs> along right. the way of the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, that's been, that's been, that's been fun. How just talking about that sort of on stage persona thing, I think about that a lot because I think about even in terms of me as a professor, I don't think mm -hmm. of the professor persona as really me, even though it's my name and it's and it, and there's no stagey element to what I'm doing. It's not show business. Um, yeah. But you do have to sell that sort of idea of a delivery system identity. Um, yeah. Right. So for you, like you perform under your own name, but you mentioned the mm -hmm. sort of stage persona. Do you think of the guy on stage as being the real you? I mean, it sounds like a weird question because of course it's the real you, but a, but a, a projection of the real you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I consider, I, I, uh, uh, I do, I will say out loud to myself, like it's time to put on my Seth Lear mask. And, uh, and it's something that I actually saw Bob Dylan do at the beginning of a concert. It was like right as it was right as a lot, like he was very early in his career and a lot of things started spinning around him. Um, and, and the way I kind of like to look at it now is I feel like I have, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sets and every once in a while, the, the set that sort of built my life, <laughs> the, the like, um, uh, the person who really needed an audience and needed to be, understood in that way every once in a while he gets to drive the car mm. but uh the other part of me which is um uh the one that's sort of nesting the one that's been in stillness um that person never leaves the car just sometimes hangs out in the passenger seat for the most most of the time that person's driving the car mm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's sort of, and with Dylan, it's it's really fascinating because Bob Dylan isn't really Bob Dylan, right? Like he's Robert Right, Dylan he made it up. He made yeah. it up. I think, yeah, I think the reason that I've managed to have to separate some of those things, I mean, not to like get on the couch with you on this, but um, I, I think that so much of my, the beginning of my career was like, was telling really personal family stories um, about, you know, about my relationship with my brother, which has 
which has evolved and changed over time. And my family, my family has changed. Um, and, and even my relationship with my brother and his passing has changed. But sometimes I've felt that the stories that I tell on stage and certainly the songs, they can sometimes freeze development <laughs> in time yeah. um, where you, you keep going through it. And um, uh, it, it, you can, it's easy to confuse the role that you're playing on, on the stage with the, with the growth that you need to do off stage sometimes. That's a really interesting point because it's sort of like, um, give me a second on that. Because basically what's, end, what's ending up happening is, is that the narrative on stage that you sort of keep cycling over and over again because it's a different audience and you tell mm -hmm. the same story. It's almost like it's frozen in time. And so, right? So it's almost like- um, Well, it's, 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 their, the, it's the audience's story. I mean, right. at least in my case, it might be a little different with, if, if you know, as a professor and a student relationship, because um, there's a different, there's a different power and there's a different exchange going right. on in that place. But certainly, in a in a artist to audience relationship, at a certain point, they're just not my songs anymore, and that's 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 great. People are, are projecting their own stories onto them, um, and and that's 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 wonderful, but can can be confusing. <laughs> right because because you, those stories exist in a kind of vacuum right there because when people sort of think um people think of your life as a sort of um as albums right like like yeah ones, right and so but mm -hmm. but the fact is, is that in your real life as the the seth who's at home you yeah. are you're cycling through those things you're learning you're processing you're not mm -hmm. you're not frozen in time and those 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 songs and those stories kind of freeze you in time a little bit in people's minds yeah they're, they're snapshots they're snapshots right 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 so you exactly so people tend to through no fault of their own what information do they have they sort of um they sort of single story you as as a person who wrote these songs and these songs mean these things but in your own personal life you're progressing all the time Ideally. <laughs> <laughs> right, perfect, exactly, ideally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, so, so I guess that really answers the question of like, you know, the separation between the Seth on the stage and the Seth in real life off the stage. Um, that makes it very clear, right? In, in terms Yeah, of totally. Well, and then, I mean, also, I mean, a lot of other things have grown out of me this year in, in, uh, and also like just producing records for other artists too. Right. So like, that's a whole other, that's a whole other, I, I still think it's like sometimes 85% psychology and 15% music, but that's a whole other um, uh, person that's being developed that I'm, I'm molding and trying to, you know, create an interesting version of it if I have any say in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and also, by the way, when I when I interview people in this business, behind them is always a hanging guitar or a keyboard, or there's always equipment, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, a piano. When you uh, and 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 you have some beautiful stuff there. When you, in terms of a daily practice, are you mm -hmm. someone who who's plays every day, or can you go a day or two or a week without doing anything? Yeah. I, I can get pretty comfortable not doing too much and just like, you know, working on the tomatoes. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I think, I think that one of the interesting processes about this year is I, my wife and I bought an old house like two months before um, the pandemic. And uh, so I, I found lots of projects. Like I, I, I kept finding kind of, giving myself a month to like remodel the stairs and just kind of work myself up in a, in a, a brain ball. Uh, and then I'd give myself a, a month of trying to make music and make sense out of it. And I really, I found that, that process to be so anchoring because I think much of, much of my work this year and much of what this year has been has been um, trying to figure out how 
we can be in a better relationship to um, restoring the brokenness around us. And I, I found myself really lucky to have a physical outlet in, in like, you know, hanging drywall. I built, I built this, this studio uh, that I'm in over the quarantine project. And, um, and yeah, figuring out how to like take something apart and figure out what's worth saving um, and having a clear, usually a clear outcome at the end of the a month of working on a project at, at home. Um, uh, that gave me a certain kind of courageousness in going, re-entering the writing process. I mean, it sounds like you just described the writing process. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Right? Sure. Taking yeah. something apart, figuring out what stays, uh, having an outcome, that sounds exactly like, like creativity. Yeah, the, the one thing that, that I think was a little different is that normally I would, I would kind of stop with a song or I would, I would consider it sort of to be good enough if I've articulated um, the point I'm trying to make um, effectively. And, and, and oftentimes that would be like, I would kind of look at it similar to like Woody Guthrie or something where I'm trying to document like a real, a real problem in the world. And I'm putting it, I'm gonna create some characters to, to, to try to have you feel that problem as opposed to be preached that problem. Um, but one of the big differences throughout this past year is it, I really felt clear about the role of art and artists um, to be pretty responsible right now for imagining solutions and not just documenting problems um, because nobody else is imagining solutions. <laughs> like it's a real, it's a real imperative part of um, how we're gonna get to where we're going. And expand a little bit on the idea of solutions. And, and is, that, is that a lot of pressure in terms of traversing that kind of terrain? No, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty authentic about like what I'm even learning about it along the way. And, and also I, my, my wife does a lot of um, like organizing work around here. And she hit me to this um, Adrian Marie Brown quote, which is um, that you have to move at the speed of trust, that anything happens at the speed of trust. So I think songs are really good vehicles um, to, to establish that kind of, um, internal uh, bond with someone. Um, and, and, and it can happen pretty quickly. Like it can happen in, in about two and a half minutes. So I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm really hopeful um, just about songs as tools and that I'm, if I'm not trying to solve the whole problem, I'm, I'm just trying to, um, offer something a little bit more than what the problem is. Like, like the world could be vastly different if the laws were different. Um, uh, I think we saw a glimpse of just how compassionate we could be at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I think that, that that thing is still there. It just might look like a whole lot of anger for Jeff Bezos right now. But like, yeah. it's all that swirling there's something there. Um, and yeah, I think from that place you inquire and you can imagine a, a whole different kind of world because the institutions that we hold to be true are just, it's just a mirage. Did you find that when you were doing something like drywall or tending to the tomatoes or, or ripping out stairs and putting in stairs, uh -huh. Were you surprised that you were you surprised that you could do that, or did you know you could do that? Um, was that was that a totally new like okay? Here's like I've never done that stuff before, and I would feel that if I put in stairs or did some drywall, I'd feel tremendously surprised that I, that I could do yeah. that, and very pleased. Uh, yeah, 
What a great question. Um, I haven't really thought too much about that, but um, I mean, of course it was nice to know, like I'm good at other things. I was around, my, my father like built the house that we lived in and he was constantly uh, making renovations. We have a lot in common <laughs> um, in, that, in that kind of drive um, and energy. Um, and also my father and I haven't really had a speaking relationship in um, five or six years, really since my, since my brother passed away. Um, so I, I do think there was something about my own healing that was happening in working on the house because I, even though there isn't, there hasn't been language between my father and I that looks anything like um, uh, reciprocity, there is a lot, there has been a lot of gratitude um, that I've felt for um, the kind of home that he, he made for me. And, um, and, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 it's having a new house and thinking about what's next. And um, it's been good. It's been, a, it's been a good year to be still inside of all of that. Yeah, because it's, it's a kind of construction, like it's physical construction, and it's also emotional deconstruction of Absolutely. a fractured relationship. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great way of putting it. Oof, yeah, it's pretty heavy, too. <laughs> thanks I yeah mean, it's yeah I, I think I I don't I think a lot of us have had some big aha within the construct of their family this year because um fear will do that and um and time will do that and yeah I think I'm not alone in in that I'm just public <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. But you know, what's a trip is that had there not been a pandemic where you had that kind of time where you can address the things that you were just talking about, it makes mm -hmm. you wonder if you would have in such a comprehensive way. And it makes you realize that a lot of times, like it probably is so much healthier to have addressed yeah. it. Right. So you wonder like if you race by and you have a gig here and a gig there and you're doing this and you're doing that. And there's no time to take care of the tomatoes, no time to actually right. tend that emotional garden. It makes you wonder, like, maybe we, we are unhealthy emotionally and we don't even realize it. Yeah, maybe it's time for the dolphins to come back into the Venice canals. You know, maybe maybe it's time they have their turn. Um, I think I think there's a there's a lot of that going on. And um, I mean, I'm asking that question just about how to how to structure the pace of my life going forward. Um, I'm certainly not alone in that. And, uh, but I think a lot of us are asking that same question um, after seeing, I watched this, I saw this picture over the summer of my goddaughter who lives not too far from you in San Francisco. And she was looking at a, uh, a globe that, uh, um, you know, that lights up. It's, like like one of those globes with a with a bulb in the in the middle of it, and she was just transfixed by 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 the world glowing back at her, and and then out the window was the crimson red sky from the forest fires, and it was like it was it's where innocence just gets like hijacked. I mean, she has no memory of that. So <laughs> it's okay for a little bit longer, but um, but yeah, I think I think that's 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 the thing I think a lot about, which is just how do we how do we how do we move fast enough? And also the idea that they're what a, what a beautiful image, and also um, a great album cover. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a really like good picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, very arresting. But the this idea that we it feels like we're through a really tricky year and a half and now and now it looks tricky again um mm -hmm. do you feel a little bit like you're on a sort of um i mean emotionally you're sort of like you're in you're out you're in you're out in terms of your job 
um, and playing live because you you typically play a, a, you're you're on the road a lot. You use like two hundred yeah. shows a year or so, right? Yeah, that's yeah. A lot. That's a lot of shows, and it's a lot of shows to not be doing as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you feel like okay, now it's time to get back in, and now right now is a really tricky time? Do you feel that with these variants that it's going to sort of hijack your plans again, or do you, how do you handle that? Um, I don't, I don't really think too much about it since I don't really have anything, any control of, over it. I mean, I think it's really important that if you're not vaccinated, you should be vaccinated. Um, but I, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm looking at going into this year and not doing 200 shows. Um, so, so that's, that's one sort sort of change, but yeah, I played last week, last weekend and it rained. Uh, so we had to move the show indoors and we lost about half of the ticket holders just because it got moved indoors. Um, and some of that might be weather related and some of that I think is, I mean, I know a lot of that is, um, people don't feel comfortable being indoors with unvaccinated people, which is totally reasonable. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I, I don't have any control over that. I think we are at the beginning of a very, very long entrance ramp back. Um, yeah, cause I don't think, I don't think 70% of this country has agreed on anything. Right. Right. I'm with you. And I mean, and it's interesting because I always felt, and this is my own romantic ideal that was really not very smart, but I always just assumed that, um, that, that musicians shared my politics. I just thought we were all the same, which is an insane thing to think. So when I heard, (laughs) I mean, I don't know why I thought that, you know, I just, you know, I'm from San Francisco. I thought everybody had the Jerry Garcia ideal of life that's not true and so when i saw that that eric clapton took his position about <laughs> right about vaccination i don't want i don't want to play to a crowd that has to be vaccinated um it was kind of a bummer to hear that but i've gotten yeah. used to that kind of thing and you know and because i've you know been around the, this business so long and mm-hmm. you realize there are divergent opinions as as there should be of course um that was a little bit of a bummer to hear had had you heard that news and and what was your take on it? No, I mean, I'm, it's not the, my, my take, I have not heard that before, but my take is that that's not even the most disappointing thing that Eric Clapton has said. So <laughs> that's also um, true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah. You're right. Yeah. He's a great guitar player. That's basically it. That becomes tricky. And by the way, Twitter pointed out uh, as an organism, Twitter pointed out what you said. Yes, yeah, this is this is like number four or five of on Eric yeah. Clapton's hit list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're right. Great guitar player, and and you know maybe maybe not the guy you'd want to have dinner with. But um, that's true. Sometimes it's and that's where it gets tricky. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet people that you've admired, um, but that can be a tricky thing too if you find out well, little things like that. I would say the, uh, let me just flip that a little bit because I know people that I do admire who think totally differently than I do about that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's some stuff that Eric Clapton might, uh, I might try to avoid talking to him about a couple of things, but I would totally have dinner with him. And, um, and if there's something that like, I don't know, I feel like, that sense of we are so tribal now um, that I have a couple friends who are Trump supporters and that has, you know, that's, that's been getting harder and harder and harder. But I think fundamentally, I do still understand why they're, why they're angry and, um, but that's not making that's not making excuses for white supremacy anymore. Um, I don't know, but I certainly know like conservative Republican people who also come out to my shows who don't necessarily like what I say, but they respect how I say it, 
and and I have had 10 year relationships with them and uh that's that should also be a part I don't know I feel like I don't know what my point is just that um we should be more capable of building relationships with people that think differently than 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 us and I'm also the product I think I feel this way because my brother thought so differently and behaved so differently than everyone else and I was constantly witnessing how the neurodiversity of a situation ended up usually creating a better outcome than um than when people are thinking exactly the same way about something yeah well, maybe that's idealistic no, it's a very good point. And I, and I do think that my, I always say that, you know, like I spoke to Richie from Buffalo Springfield and he, he's a very, very outspoken conservative. Um, uh-huh. And, and uh-huh. some of the, some of the things that he said have been very, very troubling, but I had yeah. a lovely conversation with him about music and I kind of, and I even told him, I said, you know, we're adults and we should be able to have a conversation like this. It was a great conversation. Um, so I do, I know what you mean. And it, and, and, there's in many ways I do appreciate the fact that you don't, you know, you don't have a friendship, which is just like everything's in a vacuum and a, and a feedback loop of, you know, you know, uh, everyone's on the same page because sometimes discourse is also a really important muscle to flex. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear people's take on things. And as long as nobody is attending a Proud Boys rally or espousing hate, I mean, I think you can have a conversation, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I, I think it's also some of my, I mean, I remember, I remember uh, doing a, uh, a party, like an election fundraiser in West Michigan, which is a pretty conservative district, and also like one of my favorite markets to play and in, in, in some of the best crowds. But um, I, I was helping this um, Democrat named Rob Davidson uh, get elected and he lost the election. But when I went to the fundraiser, I'm talking with the bartender who um, doesn't, has never voted for a Democrat in his entire life. His parents never voted for a Democrat. And we start talking and he, he, he starts talking to me, he shares some poetry with me that he was, that he's been writing. He's been trying to do creative writing on the, on the side. And we had this really wonderful conversation and, um, and then when I got on stage, I kind of, I, I was, I was playing to the crowd and I, and I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I remember just kind of getting a big rally call and probably saying that the other side was stupid or some, something. I don't remember, but I do remember at the end of that show, I had the whole room and I lost the trust of the bartender. Mm. And um, yeah, I just, I, re- I remember, I remember, I remember not doing that well and raising a lot of money. <laughs> so I don't know. I think about that a lot. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's sort of like, I get what you're saying. Like it, you almost feel like, had you not had that conversation with him, you would have walked away going like, I just crushed that. That was great. Crushed it. Crushed, crushed it. it. Totally. Right? Yeah. But you knew that he that he walked away feeling like oh he probably wasn't. Well, that's the. But right? knowing someone, yeah. But I mean, that's knowing someone changes you. Like that's to to know anyone in 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 any way. That's, uh, yeah. You're you're just not the same from that point. That's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. Did that did that experience make you walk away and think like that you would approach it differently the following time? Yeah, yeah, or just be wary of putting myself in that kind of situation. Yeah, it's a it's a loaded situation. Yeah, yeah, because it's a party. Yeah, (laughs) the bartender just happened to have this poetry with him. How did he? Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I mean, I love that. I mean, it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. If God had a name, what would it be, and would you call it to His face? If you were faced with him and all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? Yeah, 
Just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way face what would it look like and would you want to see if seeing meant that you would have to believe in things like heaven and in Jesus and the saints and all the prophets yeah yeah God is great yeah yeah of your own creativity between the drywall and the tomatoes are you have you been prolific or in terms of songwriting um I think I've always been I mean I think I slow down right around just my my cycle of of like getting ready to put out a record I slow down in the writing for things new but I don't know I've written and recorded like six songs already for the next project um I, I'm, I'm writing about 40 or 50 songs a year, usually. Um, That's amazing. And yeah, I've always, they're not all, they're not all great. I mean, but, but I I do write frequently. And, and one of the things I've been really loving to do here is um, doing these like, like two day dives where I'll, uh, you know, I'm fans of so many songwriters, but we every once in a while we link up at a, um, yeah, like a music festival or something like that. But some of my favorite things this year that I'm continuing to do is calling up like a writer like Haley Reardon um, and having her come over for a couple days. And we just, we kind of just, there's usually a song in the air and we don't know what it is, but it's, but we have the time and the patience and usually the first day we write a song and the second day we record it. And um, I love, I love what that does to the flow of a week. So I've been trying to do that a lot. um, Writing with other people in a way that feels really um, kind of soul searching and, uh, and, and not, uh, not stressful (laughs) yeah is is the the sort of if you take taking stress out of the situation is it because a collaborative environment is not as stressful as doing it solo not necessarily I think a collaborative environment can be sometimes much more stressful depending Mm -hmm. on um who the collaborator is or what you're 
what you're trying to, to, to talk about. Um, but I think that it's, um, I think it's just healthy. That's, that's the best way I can, I can kind of put it. It's not that I'm not writing on my own. Um, it's just that it's, it's, uh, it's nice to make room for someone and try and, and try to see them fill it and have that go, you know, both ways. That's exciting. Are you good at taking a note? Can you, can you take a criticism and, and go, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Let's, let's try it this way. Yeah, probably too, like, yeah, very, I'm a very, um, I'm a, I think I'm really good at making sure people feel, um, feel heard and seen, even if I have like a specific opinion. Um, uh, yeah. How curious are you about new music? Are you, and are you one of those people who's always trying to find out what's going on and hearing new stuff? As a music fan, um, uh -huh. you know, like you mentioned Chuck Prophet at the top of the interview, who's marvelous. Yeah. Um, are there people that you're discovering? I mean, Chuck's been around, but <clears throat> yeah. are there people that you're finding and you're going, holy cow, that person is really unbelievable. I, um, I am, they're not, they're not necessarily new. I've gone into some deep dives piano playing wise um, with like Father Earl Hines and um, oh man, I'm spacing this guy's name. I I I, I wrote it down. Um, Abdullah Ibrahim. This uh, the oh, can you hear me? Yeah, great. Um, there's a South African uh, pianist and. Um, so I've I've been I've been kind of diving into musicians and on and Nina Simone that was a real refuge for me this year. Um, I haven't been listening to a lot of new music this year. What was your appetite during the past say year and a half or so? Were you looking for because Nina Simone that's that is no uh, joke that is intensity uh, times a million. It's such beautiful. Yeah, beautiful I, I think that. Yeah, I, I think she was my my balm this year. Um, that's that's really what what that what that felt like. I, and I was excited by you know like the release of Hamilton and just the language of it all. I was I was um, perked up by things like that. But yeah, it was a it's a it was a it's it it is a hard year. And and I think Nina brought me back into my body. That's a good way to put it. Because a lot of people, what they've been doing is they've been sort of like binge watching comedies, listening to um, music that's more buoyant. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it hasn't been, my, my joke is it's, it wasn't a year for Nick Drake. You know, it was sort of like, it was a little too, <laughs> a little too heavy. Um, and I found myself organically heading towards music with more velocity. I was looking for fast stuff. Uh -huh. uh, and, and I found that that was sort of just, organically where I was drawn I hadn't even realized it until I ended up there it's kind of interesting yeah you know I think I mean I think te tempo is definitely like tempo is the spoonful of sugar that can 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 like help help the message go down yeah so I uh, know I, I think you're you're absolutely right there um uh I mean staple singers do do that for me um yeah yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, the mood can be amplified by the art that you're taking in. And sometimes I remember when in high school, if a girl didn't love me, I like to go home and listen, you know, to the Smiths or something like that. And just feel mm -hmm. the amplification of the tragic. That was what I wanted. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that now. I would think like, <laughs> we don't want the amplification of the tragic. Um now because it would be that's that would just be deafening um mm. and so i found that that you know at 17 that was my appetite but but yeah. now that's not where i'm headed have you seen um have you seen bo burnham special inside brilliant see that that is that was an amplification of the like like pornographic and absurd Right. Yeah. In order to in order to 
to actually see how tragic things really are. Um, so I think he just, he's doing that, what the Smiths did. He's just, re he's just reverse engineering it. Right, right, right. And it was, a, it was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff. Incredibly brilliant. Incredible. Yeah for that reason and so many other reasons and he's he's just something else but yeah 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 and that's something i also found myself watching a lot of stand-up comedy so it's funny mm -hmm. i found myself yeah. drawn to that um, that makes sense that makes a lot of sense because if in you know environment where you don't know what's true at least if you're laughing you know it's true like right that's the nice thing about about a joke is it's it's pretty true or false. <laughs> right. It's, it is for sure a deep, dark, truthful mirror mm -hmm. in many ways. And, mm -hmm. you know, I also look at my students, you know, they're 18, 19 years old, and I look at their own mental health. Um, mm -hmm. And it didn't even occur to me that a lot of times, you know, we would do class and a lot of them would be in bed. They're just sort of sitting in bed and they're in their rooms. And I, and I, I did, it sort of, dawned on me like they may not be in the best place right now this is supposed to be college right now they're supposed to be at football games and you know having weird romances and having fun and drinking and doing whatever and they're all just in their rooms with the blanket over their head and that it, it kind of dawned on me that it you know that was really where i realized that that's that's a heavy time for them yeah yeah you know mental health is is such a huge thing yeah yeah, totally. Well, and it's, it's it's hard to find anyone who's been trying to find a therapist knows it's very difficult right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 My sister just she just graduated Clark and um, that was last last May and then moved in with my wife and I for the for about a year. And um, and I think she learned this year very difficult uh in, in very difficult ways, she learned that expectations are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was that having her around? It was great. It was complicated. You know, of course, uh, um, it was, it was so wonderful to, um, uh, I was not the best big brother as a, like growing up, I was, I was so self-directed and I, I knew at such an early age that I wanted to um, make my living in front of an audience. Um, and <laughs> even if my family was gonna be the first one. Uh, and, and I think my sister didn't really know what to do with that. And, and I, I certainly wasn't building any bridges. Um, so it was really, it was really sweet to um, to, to build a, a, a really trusting relationship with her and, and, and see each other as adults now in a, in a different way. Yeah. What a remarkable opportunity too, because like, that almost sounds like the premise it's for great. a sitcom, right? Like during a pandemic, his sister moves in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife is an angel. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, and we're, we're working on like, you know, trying to process what we even learned inheriting my sister for a year. Um, and so it's uh, the way that I like to put it is it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying all of it. There's a sweetness in it and it's hard. Is she still with you guys? No, no, she got an apartment. She came over for dinner last night. How did it feel when she left? Was that was that sort of like was there a little bit like it must have been very emotional to see her go? Um, no, uh, it was. Uh, she didn't move very far, <laughs> and uh, it felt like that. It felt like the end of something and the beginning of something new. It felt like a like a page turn, is what it felt like. At this stage in your life, do you feel that you have gotten better about that kind of thing? The way that the sort of the natural progression of, to put it generally, things, <laughs> you know, like endings, <laughs> beginnings. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think the, the biggest thing that changed that in my life was um, I've been practicing transcendental meditation for the last um, six years. And it was something that I brought in 
to my life as I was my my brother's guardian and it was during my parents' divorce. So I was I was really in the middle of um of a lot of things flying back and forth. And uh TM gave me a just gave me a perspective of all of that. Um where, you know, I mean I I think a lot of people can sometimes have that feeling where you're like 10 feet outside of yourself and you're watching yourself react um, before doing so. Um, and I, I try to I try to be in that place as, as much as possible. Um, yeah, again, it, that comes back to, that's just a different articulation of what we were talking about in the beginning where sometimes there's just a different Seth driving the car. And how has TM, TM is one of those things where I've only heard amazing things about it i've never heard anyone go that's terrible everyone just really yeah. i've only heard really good things about it how has that affected you on stage i don't know if it has yeah um i certainly i i, I don't i i can't say that it hasn't but i certainly have no tangible um thing that it, it has it, it's definitely changed how i am um you know, in everything else, but I can't say that it's changed me in any one particular thing, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. You seem, you seem like a guy who is very busy. I don't, there's not a lot of like, I don't see you binge watching 10 episodes of a show on Netflix. I mean, between the tomatoes and the songwriting and the sister and the house and your wife, you see, and your, and your <laughs> career, you're a guy who is, there's not a lot of idle time. Um, how do you feel that you're more effective when you are that busy and you feel that if, you're, if there's nothing on the schedule you're not as effective as as a sort of creative or working force i think about that a lot i i, I um i think i think it's it's also i don't have a problem like really unplugging and being still it's just i'm currently in a a chapter of like promoting a record and juggling a lot and um but but i i i do think that there is something to um momentum that helps like especially at the beginning of my career where i before i had a team to do things and i was you know i was booking myself and then i'd come home and i'd like I'd have one day of just depression and binge watching 10 episodes. And the next day, like, all right, I'm going to, I got to, I got to start making this record and then go, oh, I got to book the next tour. All of those things. Um, uh, one, it, you gain a lot of knowledge of different facets of the industry in, um, in a very short period of time. And, and it, I think it makes me a better leader and a better team member because when I'm asking someone to do something that has to do with a, a venue, um, I know I, I, I know what's entailed, maybe less so with social media these days, but um, I typically know I'm something <laughs> uh, that could be helpful and, and useful in the situation. Um, and also, I think that everything, like, working on the house and stripping stripping the stairs back down to wood is directly affecting my writing it's just not something i'm totally capable of drawing a straight line to um the healing uh and being more grateful towards sacrifices that my dad made in finding that in working on a house project is making me think about fatherhood in a way that without the healing I don't know if I would have been ready for so like that's what I, there's there's momentum to the most subtle emotions and there's momentum to like projects mm -hmm. um so I do like I do like to keep a couple plates in the air at all times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find I find I'm that way too. If I'm if I'm booked solid, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm very I'm a, I'm a machine. Yeah. But if I have nothing on the agenda, 
uh, I'm just pathetic. I'm sort of like, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I did a, I did a great job today mailing that letter. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, it's ridiculous. But I do find that when there's a lot going on, uh, I feel pretty unstoppable. So I, I do like to stay as absolutely as busy, as busy as I can. I want not to like turn it on you, but why do you think that is that? I mean, outside of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. What what is that? Because I because I I think that you're you're articulating something I've actually been really trying to understand when given the time as a society in general, we've actually kind of made the choice that we 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 do need work in some psychological component. Um, it's not just as simple as like UBI. Right. Right. <laughs> Obviously. Right. But like what, what, is, what is propelling that busyness? I think it does come back to what you said. I think momentum is the key um, because I do think that you, you know, we're sort of like, we're creatures that almost can mimic um, the pace of what's going on in the day. I mean, I always say I'm a tennis player and I always think like, if I play somebody who's better than me, I play better. If I play somebody who's not, not as strong as me, I start to play like them. It's weird. Um, and I, and wow. I find that, right? So I feel yeah. like um, that my, how I play on the tennis court is how I also operate in my life. Um, where if I'm, if I'm being pushed, I respond. And if I don't, right. I kind of don't. Um, which, which also explains a lot of embarrassing collegiate losses because it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, I lost a lot of matches I probably shouldn't have lost and I probably won some I shouldn't have won um, mm-hmm. for that reason. And so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I know it's a tricky thing, isn't it? Where it's sort of yeah. like, you know, I'm like a shark if, I, if I've got like a day booked and, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just, I'm the opposite if I don't. So yeah, I, and I've realized that as I've gotten older, I didn't even know that until you know maybe two or three years ago i put i got to put my finger on like oh is it the same for you is it that momentum that you you kind of fall into yeah it's probably also a little bit of like uh uh fear like a fear of depression or something like that there's there, there i think there's something a little bit more sinister at play than just momentum <laughs> um uh but yeah that's 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 how I look at it for the most part. When you were saying that when you come home off the road, that depression kind of hits, is it because the the momentum of of what you've been doing, yeah. right? It's just it's sea suddenly change. it's right, change. the downshift. Cool. Yeah. And you're getting um uh I think it, it's also like there's a getting to meet a lot of people and like getting the my wife who's a social worker if if when she walked in to work this morning and the whole room got on their feet and applauded her before she even did anything for for work our working environment around social work institutions would radically change (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i get i i i um I get to see people in their best and most open version of themselves. So I have a very, um, um, I'm very idealistic about how much, um, how capable we are. Mm. Yeah, and, and lastly, you know, when you are in that space where it feels like you've downshifted and it feels a little dark because you've, you've, you've come off the road or whatever it might be, do yeah. you recognize like, this is a temporary state. Like I know why this is happening and I know how this will end. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I kind of, you know, I give myself a day. (laughs) I give myself a day. Um, And I also think like, you know, I heard, um, I listened to the Ezra Klein podcast a lot and they just did an episode on, on, on downloading and how like maybe that's actually not depression maybe that's just my own because i'm inactive for a day i'm i'm attributing that to depression because my identity is of someone who's very busy mm-hmm. um but maybe i'm just downloading maybe i'm just like 
I'm, I'm processing everything that I just went through and storing it away for the next project. Yeah, and I, and I, I did hear another problematic person, but I heard James Franco explain why he can't go on vacation. And, and the reason why is because that sort of the stillness of inactivity is something that he can't process. And I have actually found that in myself too, where it's sort of like the idea of sitting on a beach to me is terrifying because it's sort of like, you're not doing anything. You're not, right? Mm -hmm. And, I, and then there's some kind of fear of like, what if I just become the guy who only wants to sit on the beach from now on? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so there may have something to do with that as well. But yeah. Um, but I know what you mean. And, and mental health is something that's really important to sort of recognize, like, let me take a day, let me just be still, and then we'll figure it out tomorrow. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think perspective can also come in and, and just mess things up with that. I mean, uh, again, like if I have a bum day and then I come home uh, and what my, my wife's day was helping someone, um, uh, who's facing eviction and, and getting them funds so they can stay in their house. And I think something like that makes me snap out of my funk pretty quickly too. Um, yeah. Yeah, I get it. No, your perspective is a valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey man, thanks for doing this. I, I really appreciate you, you talking about everything with me. So, so openly and honestly, it's been, I mean, oh. I music and it's, and I, it's just so fun to talk to you. Thanks. I, I have, it's been, this has been a very refreshing phone call and I, I love the, I just love the pace of your questions and the, the, um, the integrity of them. It's been great to, great to chat with you. I really enjoyed that. Seth Glear, a lovely guy. And his album, The Coronation, is phenomenal. Get it. SethGlear.com, G-L-I-E-R.com. Also go to M Press Records. That's M, the letter M, PressRecords.com. Pick up The Coronation, either of those places, or both. Maybe you want a couple of copies. I don't know. Uh, maybe you have some friends who could use a little Seth Glear, buy a copy for them, all right? Uh, AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, at Ember's Podcast. You can also email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Go to BombshellRadio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, not a lot of places do that, but we do. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a stranger. Tell a stranger in a coffee shop. Just say, hey, I know I don't know you. You seem like you're enjoying your morning bun. <laughs> but here's a podcast you might like. Uh, leave us a rating, maybe a nice comment or two. We would certainly appreciate it. Let's close the show with a longer listen to the title track from Seth Glear's new album, The Coronation. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. When this storm is all over, there's no risk of exposure. Will we still stand where we stood? Will it be back to business as usual? Or can we build a world more beautiful than we ever thought we could? Welcome to the coronation where all creation gets an invitation to a new world order. I'm talking about liberation from mastery of separation. 
We're together, we find salvation, love with no borders. It's just around the corner. The crown can come from the ashes, even as the lightning flashes. We will use the sparks to see the myth that fuels our compulsion, that keeps us in perpetual motion, stealing our humanity. Welcome to the culmination for all creation. Get an invitation to a new world order. I'm talking about a liberation, the mastery of separation. We're together, we find salvation, love with no borders. It's just around the corner. A reunion meant for everyone. A reunion meant for everyone. Coronation for all creation gets an invitation to a new world order. I'm talking about liberation, mastery of separation. We're together, we find salvation with no borders. It's just around the corner. Just around the corner